Welcome to the Roman Arena Podcast, created by the students of Roman Catholic High School in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Here, we discuss various issues and events, plus interview those of influence. It's all from the perspective of the Roman students. Now, sit back and enjoy the Roman Arena Podcast. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Roman Arena Podcast. My name is Michael Geradis. My name is Jason Trong, and welcome to our podcast, uh, Traveling Around the World. This is episode number four, and today we'll be talking about our different experiences on planes at the different countries we travel to, and anything else that we thought was important to talk about while at these countries. So, uh, to begin, Jason, what I know we've known each other for a while, so like, give me some more of your ethnic background so we know some more details about what countries you travel to. So, I am Viet... So I'm half Vietnamese, half Chinese, but I've mainly been to Vietnam for most of my life. But I have traveled there for more times than I can count. And how about you? Have, where so have you been? So I'm Lithuanian and Irish, even though I've never been to Ireland or never been to Lithuania. I do want to travel there, though. Um, it's on my bucket list. It's what I want to do. So you mentioned that you've been to Vietnam a countless number of times. So, like, do you remember the first time you've ever traveled to, like, Vietnam? Well, I I haven't don't remember it vividly myself, but I my parents have told me in countless occasions that I was only a few months old, and that I was very well behaved for being a, a newborn on a plane. That's pretty cool. So, like, when when you travel to Vietnam, like, what is it like? Is it like you have to take like multiple planes? Is it like long, long plane rides? I I guess it's probably more than ten hour plane rides to get there. What's it like? So. Preparing for it was always a pain, where it would always be taking out an entire week, getting all the supplies, bringing, bringing stuff for the family as gifts, or even some other things that they, we would find here but not there that they would need. But then when we start, we would have to go, we would have to wait outside of a store for it to be picked up by a special bus. That would take us all the way to JFK Airport in New York. And then from there, we would take a plane all the way to Taiwan, which is a 16-hour flight. Wow. Which does seem long, but if you watch eight movies in a row, it's, <laughs> not that, it's not that bad. And then from Taiwan, after a two to three hour layover, it will be another two hour flight to Vietnam. So you can't get a flight from Vietnam from the PHL airport. You have to go to um, New York to get your flight? Yes. And that's all every time, every single time you have to go fly to Vietnam, you have to go to New York? Every time so far. So we are planning on going this summer once one more time. But we're, this time we're taking a different way. We're this time we're going to be taking the Philadelphia International Airport to California and from there to Taiwan to to Vietnam. So this way we're going to try a new way that would be, from what my parents say from their friends, would be cheaper and I wouldn't say faster, but would be cheaper and maybe more efficient. So like on, on your plane ride, I know like when, when I went to Europe over the summer, they gave us more like like tea, coffee and stuff like that. Is there any like... Asian influenced foods on the plane or just like American like chicken food? Is it just like chicken or it's like, do they have any like Asian fusion on the plane? So I know uh, airports are pretty infamous for having their bad meals on the flight. So like, tell me about that. So usually they would give us about two to three meals depending on the time. 
it would always be a choice of a Americanized menu or, or an international menu, which would always be an Asian menu since we are flying to an Asian country. I would, I would always choose the one with chicken, but both the foods are, unless you're in business or first class, it's very mediocre and it's almost like eat to live food. Oh, okay. But what about your experiences when it comes to flight food? So when I went to Europe this summer, the flight food was actually not as bad as people think. They, they did have chicken, which was not bad. And they did have, I think on the way back from Germany, they did have pasta. But one good thing about taking like an American flight or like a flight on American Airlines, or in, in this case, we went to, I think it was the London Heathrow Airport. And usually they do like the tea and crimpets or the tea and biscuits. And that, they were really good. They, even though they were packaged like biscuits, not like freshly made, they were still they exceeded my expectations. Yeah, it's always the desserts that always are the best thing of the of the meals when it comes to flights. I agree. Because it's always the, the chocolate piece of chocolate cake or even the mousse that are always the best. Yeah. And and also, too, like, I don't know what it is, but on the plane, like, the soda or, like, the orange juice or anything you get always, like, hits a different way than if you had, like, a regular soda at home. I don't know if it's just, like, the, the ice they put in there, but it always tastes so much better on a plane in my experiences. I very much agree. It's just, it's always, it's always the time when you have like a soup or a drink that the plane hits turbulence, where the plane just shake. <laughs> That's and true. Swing on your hand. That's quite the experience. So in Vietnam, like, like how is it in Vietnam? So I, I never traveled to any Asian country before. So if you'd give me like tips on how to travel there, like what's some things that I should look out for? What's some things that like I definitely have to do or definitely have to see in Vietnam? Uh, let's see. Um, Definitely the food scene, where in Vietnam, there's not, even though fast food is very popular, there is a lot of localized based spots that would sell fresh fruit or even just a localized meal like pho or even bun bo that are must-tries, but I would definitely recommend getting a tour guide. A tour they, guide? They would be better, because when every time I went, my family members and my cousins were my tour guide. Oh, uh, okay, that makes sense. So when every time they would take me somewhere, they would show they would show they would show me landmarks or even just take me to mass. It's very nice, and even meeting some of their friends or even where they worked. Is like the mass like any different than it is in America? Do they have like different instruments or like a different way of t- uh, like saying mass? Because I know earlier you told me that um, in Vietnam there is a big population of Christians there. So is there any like major difference that is at the mass if one would go? So the mass itself is not very different at all, but the setup of the the setup of the churches is what I would consider different because it's almost a round, like, because the altar would be in the center and, and then every seat would be around it, where normally in a church, all the seats will be will be straightforward. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like out in a semicircle in a way. Oh, so the altar is in the middle of the church instead of it being in the front where everybody's facing it. Everybody is kind of in like a, a big circle. So... It would still be technically in the front of the church, but everybody's in a semi, like everybody's in like a semicircle all around it, and there'll also be around seven to eight altar servers. Oh, okay. So I know with every country, there's things you definitely should do. Is like there anything that you definitely shouldn't do in Vietnam? Is there like things that you should look out for? Because when I went to Europe, I know that they had like many people try to scam you. So for example, they had people with like clipboards and like they would come up to you and try to sign your name and they would try to pickpocket you. So, like, is there anything like that or anything different that, like, people should look out for if they travel to, like, in uh, Viet- Vietnam? Well, I can't think of anything at the moment, per se, but every single time I would do something my that would could be considered bar- embarrassing or the 
don't really dis or even don't disrespect your elders. Mm-hmm. But they would always tell me it's just, just to stop doing it. And I would just listen. I wouldn't really question why. Oh, okay. Because I'm not allowed to talk back. Because any even questioning them would be considered talking back to, to an elder or even my parents. Oh, okay. So that there's like a big there's like big culture differences between the two. Oh, uh, yes. Okay. And how does the jet lag treat you? Because I know on like a sixteen hour flight, the jet lag is probably definitely there. Because like for me, even on a six hour flight, I was feeling it the next day. Like it was bad. How about you? So, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Mainly, yeah. So it's it's weird. Where if I were to travel to some, if I were to visit family in California or Texas, I would be affected more of the jet the jet lag more, because afterwards when I come back, I would be waking up around the same time I would for in those in those other states. So say I were to travel to California, mm-hmm. being they're three hours behind us. So when I were so if I were to wake up, I would wake up during their time for like the next month. But when it comes to, to Vietnam, it's almost opposite. It's opposite to us, where they're about 13 hours ahead of us. Oh, okay, that makes sense. So, so like, um, so when you go to California, like, is there a big, there's not a big difference, right? You said only three hours? Uh, yes. Oh, okay. So when traveling to Europe, which countries have you been to? So when I went to Europe, we went to England, France, Belgium, and Germany. And in, in my opinion, I think France was, like, the best one out of all of them. Um, I, would, I would really, really recommend, like, Belgium if, like, you like the nature or, like, scenic view of, like, just, like, cows and farmland. Because when we were traveling from France to Belgium, it was probably, like, at least 100 miles of just farmland. And, like, you, you could literally look over and, like, see, like, just miles of grass. Like, it was really nothing. But when we got to, like, the remains of, like, the Battle of the Bulge and, like, the World War II, uh, like, landmarks and stuff like that, that's when, like, there would be, like, like these big, like, forests and, like, they, like, dug foxholes in there. That, that was really cool we saw. Um, but, yeah, I, w- I would definitely recommend France for anybody because France is most, like, I, I would say France and England, mostly France is more, like, Philly, I guess you could say. There's big differences from France and Philly, but if you want to get, like, more of, like, the city action, more of, like, um, more, like, public and more of people in the area and there's a b- better overall, like, a, it's, like, I, I see France as a big community because when you're there, everybody's sitting outside, everybody's talking to each other, laughing, everybody smiles, it's clean. So th- there are major differences between France and Philly, but I, I would say that if you're looking for some place in Europe that would like most likely be similar to Philly, but not so similar would be, would be France. So I know this for certain, but when you went to those countries, were there like a major language barriers where you couldn't communicate or did you have a tour? T- did you have a tourist, um, a tour guide be the one to translate everything for you or did they ever speak English or how? That's a really good question. So we did have a tour guide, but funny enough, our tour guide spoke Spanish and English. So it was like, even though that we were in a foreign country, uh, he really couldn't use his, his language um, like to translate things to us. But when we were there, the first, like for England, everybody speaks English. So it's like, it's really easy. But when we got to France, um, people do speak English, but like very broken English. So even though that it was hard to understand people and it was probably hard for them to understand us, you could still kind of communicate in a way that you knew what they were saying, even though you didn't know the exact word or sentence that they were trying to like give you. So like, for example, um, the first place we ate in France was like this small cafe right near Normandy beach. And the one guy 
like the, our uh, waiter, he spoke really good English, but some words here and there, he had like a, a very, very thick French accent. So it was kind of hard to understand them sometimes. But most of all, like I, I'm really, 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 um, I was astonished at the way that like a lot of French people do like know English, like f- at least from what I've saw. So um, I wouldn't say there was a, there is like a big uh, like language barrier, but from what I've seen, there wasn't. And like even in Germany when we went, everybody there spoke pretty much like all English. Like ev- like the places we ate, the um, the stores we went into, like everything we bought that we needed, like human interaction. Yeah, people did speak pretty good English for the most part. Because I know in Vietnam it's pretty much all Vietnamese, where the only English that I would pretty much hear is from my l- from my little cousins who would try to practice their English with me, see if I can understand them. <laughs> so it was it was. Very interesting. Where they would say, they would sh- say good sentences. It was just they had such heavy accents that they would, it would be hard to understand if a native Philly speaker were to speak with them, and try to communicate with with them when it comes to their uh, questions. Thank you. But since I heard from what you, but. When when you got back, I heard a lot from your trip. So would you go would you go back on your own instead of like a huge group, like when you went to? One hundred percent. I feel like any anywhere you travel to with like a group or with a tour guide, there's like you see like the most like touristy things. So like you you're not you're like obligated to stay with your group. But when when we went on the trip, even though we did have a lot of leeway, we could like walk around and explore the different areas. But one hundred percent, I would go back by myself because. There were some things like when you when you go on a trip like that, you're you're set like at a, a time limit, so you can only like see like Big Ben and Beckingham Palace for like a certain amount of time. Um, but if I went there by myself, I would 100% probably like it more, even though it was a lot of fun. Because like me, I like to take everything in, I like to look at things, I like to inspect things for a while, and just like really get the feel of what it is. But when you're in a group, you kind of have to like not like rush in a way, but you're kind of like if you like to stay back and, like, look at things, you're, the group's kind of, like, ahead of you. So I would f- say definitely, yes, I would go back with myself because, like, all the things that I didn't see, um, I would like to see, and all the things I did see, I would like to see again, but in more, like, of, like, uh, m- in more, like, a more contextful way. So I would like to get the context of everything we saw because, like, our tour guide was, Alec, he was really, really, really good. Um, but some things, like, we were in the bus and we didn't see them, so we kind of just drove by them really, really fast. And I'll, I would really like to go back and check all them out. So back to what you said when you, the first thing you ate to when you come to a restaurant. So when it comes to the topic of food, like what was your favorite thing to eat? My favorite thing, like when I ate in Europe was probably at, in France. We were right across from the Eiffel Tower and we went to this like little cafe and I've never had truffle in my life. And I, I, I like to cook and stuff. So I usually like to try new things. But one thing I'd never had before was truffle. And I don't know what they put in this pasta, but this pasta was so good. And they gave you so much, and it wasn't that expensive that it, it, w- it was like, it really, really, really blew my expectations away. Like, I, I don't think I've ever had pasta as good as I had it in France, right at that little cafe. And you said it had truffle in it? That must have, but it was cheap, though. So how? I, I don't think, like, it wasn't like, usually when you, like, they give you truffle, you could see, like, I know I watch a lot of YouTube videos on, like, truffle and stuff. They give you, like, slices of it, so it's the whole truffle, and you could, it kind of looks like a, like a wafer in a little bit, a little way, or, like, a little chip. But, like, I think they, 
they got the the um the chips and they like they diced it so it was like in really small pieces so it made it cheaper. Um, and there's different kinds of truffle too. So like the ones that are really expensive, like they're really rare and it takes like a lot to like forge them and get them and like, clean them and stuff like that. But I think the ones that they probably sell are the ones that are more common. So they're probably a lot cheaper than they were if you were like would get one from like Madagascar or something like of like a really 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 uh, rare country. Because I, there wouldn't be, I wouldn't be able to forget my first time I had an authentic bowl of pho in Vietnam. It was great. It was in a, it was a, it was in a small place. It was well known by my, by my family. I wasn't sure whether it was like a famous place, but it was just well known by my family. We went there and ate, and I couldn't, I couldn't forget it. Where I would try to compare it with every single place here, and although some were good, almost as good, I wouldn't think of anything that that would be better than that bowl of pho that I had. So like. If anybody doesn't know what pho is, like, what makes pho? Because I know, like, a lot of, like, restaurants and a lot of people, they make pho in, like, their, their own way. But, like, to you, like, what makes pho? Like, what's, like, the most, like, traditional way that someone would make it? Like, is it the broth or is it the type of noodles that they use? Or, like, g- give me some more context of what pho is. So, what pho is, it's a rice noodle um, beef dish, a beef well, soup dish, where I would say what makes me, what mainly makes pho, well, pho, is the broth, which in my way is the, my favorite part, even though I don't drink much of it. And then people would add other things to it, like whole beef ribs or uh, like rare steak or even tendon balls, I think that's what they're called. But it's mainly it's mainly the broth that makes it different and what makes it unique. So like, do you know what kind of broth it is? Is it like chicken broth? Is it bone broth? Is it beef broth? Or just like a homemade kind of like their own traditional broth that they use for pho? So everybody has... So there are different kinds of pho being chicken and beef, mm-hmm. but beef is more traditional and it's, to my respect, it's simmered be, uh, beef bones, if I remember correctly. And they would simmer that for a, for a while and then package each of them and freeze dry them. Mm-hmm. Then when they need it, they would just thaw out, thaw the container and just pour it into like a huge pot and just start cook, and start heating up the broth and then just starting to pour it over. That sounds really good, actually. So on the topic, um, now since we know our favorite foods, how about the worst food that we tried? Um, I wouldn't say there's like, do you mean like in general or like at Europe? Well, on our trips. Um, so I I don't know like the worst food I've I've tried. Um, I would say the the least like every every food I tried on like the trips I went on in Europe it, were really good. Um. But one thing I would say that, like, it wasn't bad, but it didn't, like, astonish me was the bratwurst in Germany because I, I've ate them before, so I know what to expect. And, like, me being Lithuanian and I have, like, Polish roots, like, my family, we eat, like, a lot of, like, um, like Polish sausage. Uh, it's called kibasi. And we usually make that on Christmas with, like, sauerkraut and stuff like that. So it, it kind of is really, really similar to bratwurst. So I, I know, like, what it tastes like. So that really didn't, like... Um, succeed like my expectations really um but how about you is there like any food that you were like did not like at all so what i wouldn't like is basically stews where there was one specific stew that where my parents in a way almost forced me to eat because they wanted me to try everything mm-hmm. was a pork and inste- was a pork intestine stew that was made in, that was made in our ho- in our home but i rem- i remember because it like from preparing it had a distinct like smell to it mm-hmm. That wasn't very pleasant because it was pork intestines that were almost fresh. So, and then they would cook it up and then 
when they presented me the when they presented me the bowl, I just it didn't look appealing to me, so I didn't mm-hmm. want to try it to begin with. So I feel like I ate that with the wrong mindset, mm-hmm. where I already didn't like it to begin with, which may have influenced how I tasted it and how I perceived it. So I would want to try it again, but not for a very long time. So do you think that if you didn't know what was in the dish, like that you would like it a lot more? Because I know like for me personally, like if I don't know what's in a dish and it looks good, I'll eat it and it'll probably taste good. So do you think if you didn't know those intestines that you would still like have a different conclusion on how you would like it or not? Yes, because there have been many times where I've been surprised or my parents served me this like, oh, hey, look, this is a pig's heart or this is a goat's heart. And I would think it tastes really good. It's like, oh, it's think it was just like a normal other piece of protein, but it would surprise me. I would end up liking it. I would end up liking it. Is there any other foods that you like to try that you didn't like or that is really the only one that comes to mind? It's the only one that comes to mind at the moment. Oh, okay. Um, so let's talk about like what we do on the way back. So I know for me, like when I took my flight back from Europe, for, uh, specifically Germany, we went back to Germany to London Heathrow from London Heathrow back to Philly so on your way back, was it like longer flight? Because for me, it went from being a six and a half hour flight to almost eight hours on the way back. So I, like, is that the same way from coming from Vietnam? So what would always come down to is we would pretty much go reverse in the way we came. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't feel longer because I would do the exact same thing of just watching the same movie or seeing a couple movies over and over again. Yeah. But it wouldn't think anything different because many times like I'm starting to sleep on flights since I'm not really much of a nap person but I've started to nap uh sleep and nap on flights which did make it go by much faster okay what's your favorite movie that you watch on a flight like you said that you watch the same movies over again like what what's one what is one movie that you you associate with like your flights to Vietnam so every single time Every single time the movies are different, it's always, like, the latest movie or at least the latest mm-hmm. or, like, more recent movies that came out in, like, the recent year or two. But one of them was Black Panther. Oh, okay. That's that's actually a really, really good movie. I saw that a couple weeks ago for the first time, actually, and, and it was a really, really good movie. Yep. So, let's see. But how about, so, let's see. How about experiences on a plane? Like, have you ever, exp- since you've only been on a plane for a couple times? Like, have you ever experienced, like, this screaming baby or, like, somebody kicking your chair behind you? Or? So, not me personally. I never had uh, people kick my chair, but one one does come out the mo- up to mind. So, it was me, Brennan Hewitt, who is our friend that goes to Roman, and Harrison Gillen, who goes to Roman also. We were sitting in a row together, and this was the flight to London. Like, our first, like, this was, like, we were, like, really excited and stuff like that. And, like, when you have, like, a six-hour flight, all the lights, they turn off the lights so you could sleep. So, like, it was, like, really dark. You couldn't see besides, like, the little tiny lights that they had on the floor. So, all of a sudden, like, we were, like, tired. We were kind of falling asleep. All you heard was somebody yell. And, like, they, like, started to break out in a fight. And not, like, a fist fight or anything, like, like really, like, serious. But they started to yell at each other. So, what happened was, for, like, the past 20 minutes, this lady was kicking the, the guy's uh, chair in front of him. And it, it's, like, it took a while. It, like, the flight attendants had to come. They had to, like, solve the problem. That was, that. it was, to be honest, it was really funny because, like, like the guy out of nowhere just started yelling, um, but and and also one other thing that I I witnessed on the plane coming back from Germany, we were on the, we were going to London Heathrow and it was probably like a, a two hour flight, hour and a half flight, and we were about to land and we were like the last seats like in the row, so it was like everybody from Roman was in like the last like the back of the plane, 
And um, Chris Kleinkert, who graduated last year, he was sitting behind me. And when we landed, we bounced, like, really, really, like, hard. Like, the way we landed, the, the pilot landed the plane, it, like, made us go up and down, like, really fast. And all you heard was, I think the plane landed. After that happened, like, it, that was probably the most funniest thing that happened to me on the plane was everybody started laughing because it was so, like, dead quiet. Everybody was so scared. But that, that was probably one of the, the best and worst experiences of mine that happened on the plane. How about you? So there have so I have had my fair share of screaming babies on, on screaming or crying babies on a plane, but they would go, they would go on. But since it was like a sixteen hour flight, they would stop around like two hours in. And then when it comes to kicking a chair, I felt bad because I was a kid because I was would be the one kicking the chair for like one or two of the occasions. I've never had somebody kick it like my chair, but well, let's see. How about like other things that people would do on a plane? Like, have ever have you ever had an instance where the plane just landed, everybody started clapping? Oh, me personally, I always clap when the plane lands, even though if n- nobody else does. I don't know if it's just like a part of me, but I always clap because like the pilot deserves to be to be applauded. I mean, like riding driving a plane is or flying a plane is not like driving a car. You have to go through schooling and stuff, and it, it takes years to like master flying a plane. So I feel like every time the plane lands, you should applaud the pilot. And I'm, al- I'm always the one that apl- uh, applauds the pilot. No matter what flight I'm on, no matter how long it is, I, I always clap for the pilot. Uh, like on occasion, like do people join in? On oh, all, yeah, all the time. Uh, I remember when I went to Universal, actually, it was like I was probably like around like 10 years old. That was when like I wasn't the one I clapped, but like, like probably a whole section of people did clap on the plane, which was really funny. Yeah, because I remember like one time, like how you said when you had like a rough landing where everybody jumped, I also had I also had one that I would also never forget. It was a very rough landing where I would I'd say if I didn't have my seatbelt on, I would definitely hit the roof of the plane. <laughs> really? <laughs> Mainly because I was light and I was a kid, but and then right afterwards, everybody started clapping. Really? And I just started clapping along, <laughs> being so confused. Um, let's see, uh, what time are we at? We are at twenty five minutes. Okay, want to start wrapping up or want to go a little bit further? So, um, in your experience, like, what would you rate your flight to Vietnam? And, like, what would you rate your experience to traveling to Vietnam, everything you did in Vietnam? Like, what would you rate it, like, 1 out of 10? Definitely a 10. 10? Spending time with family, getting rich in my culture, seeing new places. I would definitely say a 10 in my book. How about you? Me, I, I would definitely say 10 out of 10. Just, um, like, the experience itself. Like, I, I've never been to, like, um, like, a foreign country before. And for that to be, the, like, to go to four and on one trip, that was really, really cool. And especially uh, it being, like, a World War II trip, that was also really cool because, um, like, World War II is a big part of American, like, history. And, like, to learn about that and, like, to learn about all of our allies and all of our enemies and all the things that they went through, it, it was a really, really cool experience. Uh, of course, I would rate it a 10 out of 10. All right. And that does it for our podcast. This is the fourth episode Thank you for listening. I am Michael Geratus. And I'm Jason Trong. And come back later. We will have another episode up next week. Thanks for listening, guys. All right. You've been listening to the Roman Arena Podcast. 
produced by the students of Roman Catholic High School in Philadelphia, the oldest diocesan high school in the United States. Be sure to subscribe to get new fresh episodes and follow on social media for more. Thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next time on the Roman Arena Podcast.